1: it's time for the Employment Law Show. Yeah, we're back at it for another hour. We hope you enjoy uh, enjoy us, uh, or at least join us, and enjoy the show for the next hour. Uh, John Scholes here, and John Pincus Partners, if you're to mark an LLP, always in attendance, ready to go. You want to reach out, by the way, to John and his team when we're not doing this uh, this radio or TV thing, you can do so, one 855 2 fifty nine is a uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Also the website available for you anytime, free of charge, anonymous as well, called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. While you're there, you can learn uh, about a variety of topics that are under the umbrella of employment law, things you should know on your own time, and you'll have access as well to the severance pay calculator, which is rolled into pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We always uh, kick things off. By the way, the uh, The topics for today as we work our way through is what you need to know about termination for cause and John, what should I do, dot, 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 and question mark, question mark. We'll get to that a little later on the show, and if we have time, we'll get to some emails in between the calls as well, but uh, let's get it happening. John, good morning, pal, good afternoon, whenever it is, and uh, week that was, you got a couple things you want to discuss off the hop. What's going on, brother?
2: I do. Good morning, John, and and hopefully uh, some people listening to this uh, will hear some familiarity in these stories and uh, if not or you have any other questions in any way relating your workplace your friend's workplace your mother's workplace your daughter's workplace give us a call give us your name give us a fake name we don't care we're here to talk we're here to we're here to talk about uh your employment rights whether your name is john or mickey mouse we don't care uh so let's talk about uh the first situation here so the first situation uh i want to talk about involves someone uh, who's been uh, working for a company for 10 years uh, as an account manager for a fairly large company uh, based out of Quebec. And about two years ago, uh, the company made a proposal to him and they said, we'll increase your commission by your commission rate by three percent per year. We'll give you an extra two weeks vacation. Sounds great. The only catch, you're going to have to continue working as an independent contractor. So mm-hmm. the invoices you're gonna have to work at an arm's length so he figures hey what do i care i mean why not i mean my job's gonna stay the same and he agrees and in fact he does he still has the same job same pace his performance reviews still works exclusively for the company they treat him very well treat him as they always have uh but now he invoices the company and remits hst now this works out great for everyone everyone's happy until last week uh, last week, they phoned him up and they said, you know, we're so sorry, but you're, you're really just not pulling your weight anymore. We're not seeing the same sales volumes that we need to see. And, and we just can't justify the salary we're paying you. So we're going to have to let you go. Every company has a right to do that. So uh, he figures, OK, what can I do? Well, that was bad enough. But to add insult to injury, when he gets his termination letter, the company cites the independent contractor agreement that he signed <laughs> two years ago. They said, here's your two weeks pay two weeks after 10 years of service. And their reasoning is, well, you're an independent contractor. That's what the independent contractor agreement says. We don't have to pay you your full severance. We don't even have to pay you your minimum entitlements. And he calls me at that point. He says, John, is there anything I can do about this? I said, look, I, I know this isn't the agreement I signed. I know, of course, I should have spoken to a lawyer. But two weeks after 10 years, seems a little bit extreme. And in mm. fact, What I told him is that this was completely illegal, what the company did. It's a breach of the Employment Standards Act. And as it turns out, they owe him as much as a year of his pay. And the reason why they owe him so much is that although he was an independent contractor on paper in real life, which is what the law cares about, he was an employee. He was still subject to their control. He was still working for them. He was working effectively the same way he was working when he was an employee, so that so-called independent contractor agreement is not going to be the worth of paper it was written on, and he's going to be owed a significant amount of money. So, you know, what are the lessons here? First of all, and this applies not only to independent contractor agreements, but any agreement you're being asked to sign while you're already employed, do not sign an agreement midway through your employment without legal advice. Never. Maybe it's a good deal. Maybe it's okay. But chances are the devil's in the details. You no, know, it, it, it you should you should have some red flags going off. You know, I'm already employed here. Why am I being asked to sign a new agreement? Is it out of the goodness of their heart? Are they offering me something? No, chances are there's something in there that the employer wants to use to their benefit and to your detriment. And you may want to negotiate it. You may not want to sign it at all. So speak to a lawyer. Second, always. Always seek legal advice when your employment is terminated, especially if there is any chance you may have been misclassified as an independent contractor. And the good news is that if you want some guidance even before you call an employment lawyer, uh, you can go to Pocket Employment Lawyer, and that will give you everything you need to get started and give you a sense of you know if this is a situation where you should be calling a lawyer.
1: Again, always reach out. It should be a knee jerk reaction, a habit when something like that goes down. Always turn around right away, grab that phone, and give John and his uh, his team a call. By the way, that number again for any time one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But what else you got going on, pal? So, uh,
2: second situation uh, involved uh, that I want to talk about involved someone who worked as a technician in a large warehouse uh, for about fifteen years, and recently he's been getting warning letters because of mistakes that his supervisor says he's been making at work. Now, there's no question he's been making mistakes and more than usual. He, he freely admitted that to me, uh, but he was making an honest effort to improve. And after a few months, his supervisor got fed up, took him up to HR, and he was fired for cause on the spot and offered no severance. And that's when he gave me a call. Now, the reality here is that Even though this person certainly did not have a perfect performance record, after 15 years, it's going to be very, very difficult for the employer to establish just cause, especially on the basis of performance. And this is someone who could be owed anywhere from 12 months to 16 months of their pay. Uh, So, very, very important. If your employment has been terminated for cause, you absolutely must must contact an employment lawyer, no question, because the difference between what you've been offered, which is usually nothing, uh, and what you are owed uh, can be enormous. Uh, And that's what employment lawyers are here for.
1: Again, guys, 416-870-6400 is how you reach out and talk to us right now. I want to get into our uh, first of two topics, pal, and then uh, maybe a little later on, if we have time this hour, we'll get into some emails as well. What you need to know about termination for cause, this couldn't be more important uh, daily when you're thinking about employment law and how it affects you. Number one, people have called it all kinds of different things, but for the for the sake of this, it's termination for cause, official name, and how difficult. Really, is it actually to establish one? This, of course, we're leaning on uh, employers to listen up, especially. What do you think? Well, let's put it this way.
2: There's um, a judge in Ontario who once uh, put it in in, uh, very apt terms that has since been quoted many times since, which is that a termination for cause is the capital punishment of employment law. And and, Hmm. and that that phrase has been used a lot because it it, it really is a a perfect summary of what a termination for cause is what it means for the employee, what the consequences are, how extreme of an action it is for an employer to take. Any employer can let you go, right? Unless you are in a unionized environment and, and certain federal employees, there are restrictions on on when they can be let go. But generally speaking, most employees can be let go uh, at the employer's, uh, you know, at their discretion. Uh, they just have to pay you the proper severance. A termination for cause is a situation where the employer says, not only are we letting you go, we're not giving you any advance notice of this, you're let go today, and we're not going to pay you anything. So we're going to put you on the street right now, good luck to you. So you you can see how extreme that is. And, And for an employer to be able to do that, they have to show that it's not really them that ended the employment relationship, it was you. And how did you end the employment relationship? You did something extreme. You, you stole from them. You engaged in fraud. You, you lied to them about something significant. Um, you uh, basically expressed that, or, you, or you, re, you refused to come to work. You were, uh, uh, refused to perform your duties. You're basically showing that you really have no interest in doing your job at all anymore. Um, and even things that you might think are cause, you know, like some, some cases of insubordination, uh, some cases of performance, uh, you know, repeated poor performance, the law looks at that and they'll still say, well, you know what? Uh, that, was, that was wrong, uh, but it's not necessarily good enough to establish just cause. If an employer can establish just cause, then you are owed nothing. So you've lost your job and you've lost your severance. So it's a terrible situation to be in. It really is reserved for the worst kind of conduct.
1: Which is why you always keep your nose down and uh, reach out to you if you think someone has uh, done exactly that. You've been fired for cause, like a a one-shot deal, which is, as you said, it's it's a hard, it's a difficult hill to climb to actually prove that. As far as the employee is concerned, how many, you know, quote-unquote chances should they get before they are fired for cause or when they can be dismissed for cause? What do you think?
2: Well, there there is this kind of misconception, um, you know, and it's probably a, a, a baseball <laughs> related uh, misconception, right? Three strikes, you're out. Mm-hmm. Um, so employers often kind of apply that. Now, if an employer has a policy uh, that you know a kind of three strikes you're out policy, that may come into play. Uh, but generally, there is no magic number. I mean, the question is, did they really give you a reasonable opportunity to improve? So often, what I see. Is you know an employer has a three strikes you're out policy, um, and they give the employee a series of warnings, but they don't actually give them an opportunity to improve. So either they gave (laughs) all the warnings in the span of you know six weeks, uh, so they haven't actually given them an opportunity to 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 right the wrong, Um, or uh, the employee is begging for resources uh, to complete the tasks, or they've changed the employee's job, Uh, so. You know, do do warnings play a role in this analysis? Absolutely, they do. Does an employer's policy play a role? Yes, it does. But that is not going to be enough. The employer has to show that what they were doing, that their expectation was actually reasonable, and the employee's response to that expectation was unreasonable. So what does that mean in practical terms for you? you're getting a first warning, a second warning, a third warning, respond, respond honestly, right? right? Acknowledge what you're doing wrong, and, um, you know, and commit to improve that. But if there's something that's there that's unfair or that it's missing context, uh, put it to your employer, put it to your boss, do it in writing, do it by email so that when they come back later and they say, ah, you know, we gave you a chance, you can say, well, I tried to tell you this was not going to work. And that is actually going to significantly uh, strengthen your case uh, when it comes time to uh, contest the termination.
1: Short break. We'll get back to it. Right to
0: the phones. We go. To the employment law show. Stand by. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the
1: views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All righty. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging in. John Scholes here and John Pincus, Samfiru, Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. And are on reach out to uh, John and his crew anytime. Fantastic. They'd love to hear from you at 1-855-821-5900. Anytime with your employment law questions or woes, they're always uh, reachable that way or email help at employmentlawyer.ca. Dave? Thanks for hanging on through the break. How are you, pal? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are you? Beauty, what's, uh, what's on your mind?
2: Well, I've got a question. I've been working what they call permanent part-time for a company for the last almost three years now. Um, we've always averaged uh, approximately forty between 45 and 50 hours a week. Um, suddenly, they've cut us down to like 12 hours a week, but it's mm-hmm.
0: only been the four of us that have been there the longest that they've done this to and the
2: other permanent part-timers are still getting those hours wow okay um dave have you ever been cut down to 12 hours per week before never since from the day i started um we've done between 40 and 50 hours and presumably you're you're paid by the hour yes so this is going to be a significant reduction in pay
0: oh considerably like I, i I can't afford to work there at this point.
2: Well, Dave, I, I don't often say this, but this, this, is, this is what I would call a textbook constructive dismissal. Um, uh, you know, if, if you are going from 50 hours per week, you're in, uh, which you have consistently had, and you're going down to 12 hours per week, you know, unless they have something signed and, you know, something in writing from you where you agreed uh, to this kind of reduction... That is, in my view, more than enough to establish a constructive dismissal. I don't okay, want you to yeah. do anything yet, but uh, definitely give us a call because if you know this is not something that you're prepared to tolerate, and, and understandably so, Can't uh, afford to. then... <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, of course. I mean, who would be able to? This is a situation where um, I I really do think we're going to be able to help you get a severance package. So I don't want you to do anything. Don't contact your employer about this because, you know, you you have to do this the right way. But I'd like you to contact us right away uh, because this definitely looks like a very strong candidate for a constructive disposal. Okay,
1: perfect.
2: Perfect. I'll,
1: I'll touch base with you guys on Monday. Beauty. Thanks, Sounds Dave. Great. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the call. Just in case, I'm sure you know, you sound like you're totally on the ball. 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Yeah, 45 down to 12 hours. Nice try. A little bit of a reduction y- there. Y- y-
2: you don't often see that. That's that's quite brazen, I have to say. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we talk about this as, you know, kind of examples that, you know, this would constitute a constructive dismissal. But usually when people contest, it's kind of a gray area. But that 45 to 12 hours, that's not a gray area. That's 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 pretty straightforward. So uh, looking forward to speaking with them.
1: Yeah, it's interesting too, because I'm sure one of the first things the employer will probably say is, well, it is a part-time job. So part-time means part-time. I can give the guy one hour a week (laughs) or 45. You know what I mean? They'll probably try to play that card, but that just doesn't work. And he might not be doing it to be mean or out of malice. It might just be a, a matter of employment law ignorance, right?
2: Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the independent contractor thing. You know, a lot of employers really do believe that, okay, I've called them an independent contractor. I've had them sign an independent contractor agreement. They're now invoicing us, they're paying HST. How could he not be, you know, or she not be uh, an independent contractor? Uh, And they honestly and genuinely believe that, uh, not understanding that it's not about what you have written on paper. Yeah, and it's not about what you've labeled someone, it's about what's the reality. And and is someone in this case, is someone working forty-five hours per week, is that a part-time person? Well, probably not. And it doesn't really matter because if mm-hmm. you call them part-time, uh, they're, you know, if you're going from a significant amount of hours to a uh, to a very small amount of hours, that's a big change. You can call them whatever you want, but you have to have you have to look at the reality of the situation.
1: Dave, smart play calling in, man. I know you'll follow up Monday for sure with John. You can as well, by the way, 1-855-821-5900. That in the case, you just want to have more of a, a lengthier, private conversation with John's team, you can do so. But here and now, do like Dave and uh, and call us, right? Get some information quick. Some answers, 416-870-6400 to reach us uh, live on air. Now, we we're talking about termination for cause. We talked about how many chances employees should get depending on behavior, so on and so forth. But is there a case where you get severance if you're fired for cause?
2: Well, in any case where an employer improperly terminates your employment for cause, then you're going to be entitled to some amount of severance, and that amount could be very significant. So, um, you know, there's there's two questions that we ask, typically big questions that we ask when we're looking at a for cause termination. First of all are you actually guilty of the thing they accused you of? Right? Because many times an employer says, you did this, and in fact, you didn't do it, uh, or it's, it's you know, based on a falsehood, in which case, obviously, that's not going to be cause because it's premised on a falsehood. And the second question that, uh, that we ask is, you know, if, if you did do something, is it extreme enough to justify a termination for cause? Is, you know, is, is getting in arguments with your boss termination for cause? Probably not. Is stealing from your employer uh, termination for cause? Uh, almost certainly it would be, right? So we're looking at uh, gradations of conduct yeah. uh, and whether the, um, you know, whether the punishment matches the crime, so to speak. And if it doesn't, then just because the employer says it is cause doesn't mean it is. And therefore, you're going to be entitled to severance.
1: Other topic we want to cover is what John, John Pickus. What should I do? I'm panicking. But before that, I want to slide into an email just to just to break it up here. Susan said, "Hey guys, my employer says that because I am a salaried employee, I don't get overtime. Is that true? No,
2: that's that's not true. Uh, overtime is not just for salaried employees. It is for everyone who crosses crosses the." Uh, overtime threshold unless you are subject to an exemption, right? So for example, uh, if you are a manager, uh, there are certain uh, professional uh, positions that are not subject to overtime, but unless you fall in one of those exemptions, um, you are going to be subject to overtime and the standard overtime rate for the vast majority of people in Ontario is going to be 44% hours. Uh, It is not an exemption to be a salaried employee. So short answer, Susan, no, that is not true. And if you are not being paid overtime, you should do something about it either by calling us or this is one of those situations where you actually can go through the Ministry of Labour, not always the best thing to do, but it's not severance. So it is something that the Ministry of Labour can address.
1: Someone's listening going, yeah, but I'm salaried. So I know what I make per year, John, but how do I figure out what my overtime rate is? How do I do that? I don't get paid by the hour.
2: Right. So what what the Ministry of Labor does and what the law does here is they say, well, you know, how much are you paid per week? And then we divide, you know, we prorate that uh, and then we establish a premium for the hours that you worked over and above that. Of course, very important. You have to actually keep track of your hours, right? If you're not keeping Mm -hmm. track of your hours, we can't help you. But if you are keeping track of your hours and you're submitting them to your employer every week and you have them in an an Excel spreadsheet, you're good to go. So really keep keep good records.
1: John Pincus, what do I do? Number one, I've been placed on a temporary layoff. We love those. With no set return date, what are my rights? Let's assume this is the first time this has happened to them, right?
2: Right. So if it's the first time this has happened to you, you want to make sure that you act uh, when it happens. Because if you don't, uh, then the employer very well could argue that that's now uh, a term of your employment. It's not to say that you shouldn't do anything if, if you've been laid off more than once. We still want to talk about it. But Definitely the time to act is when you've been laid off uh, the first time. You want to communicate it, uh, communicate with uh, your employer that you're not agreeing to it. And the best way to do that uh, is to speak with an employment lawyer and uh, assert your rights. Um, And if you are placed on a temporary layoff, uh, then for the vast majority of employees, that is going to be a termination. And it's going to be a termination without cause, meaning you're going to be entitled to everything you would have been entitled to if the employer had outright terminated your employment. So you can go to the severance pay calculator, you can figure out what that is, could be very significant.
1: Is there a way, say, you know, you're in the situation where you go, you know, John, I get it, uh, this, you know, this employer's been really good to me, maybe they've come on some hard times, so they just want to put me on a layoff just to catch their breath. But I don't want to do that. I love working here. But at the same time, I don't want this to become a regular thing. Is there some way you can put some sort of stopgap in there, write a letter to the employer saying, I'll let you do this once, but this does not become a term of my employment. Can you, can you do something like that?
2: Yeah, I actually think that is a really, um, a good thing to do. Um, I, I, I always of the view that it's the, you should be the employer's burden, uh, to communicate. But if the mm. employer is not doing that, then it is great to be proactive, uh, as an employee and to say, um, look, uh, I get it. I'm, you know, you want to lay me off. Here's the the length of a layoff that I'm comfortable with, uh, but that's, you know, but it's it's just because of this of this circumstance that I'm in, and that way, if they go beyond that period or they lay you off again. Um, uh, in the future, then you can still uh, take action on it and, and refer back to that original communication. So so communication really is key. Be clear and, and don't make the mistake that a lot of employees make. Um, do it with legal advice because there's a lot of mistakes that you can make if you try to do it on your own.
1: And do it with the writing. Everything's in writing, right? Verbal's oh, no yes. good. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 John Pincus, what do I do? My manager putting me on a performance improvement plan, a PIP. I am worried that they will use this to fire me in the future. In fact, is this kind of a precursor to maybe what they're doing? So what should I do?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the truth of it is, is that if you're getting a performance improvement plan, nine out of 10 times, your employer is preparing to fire you. Doesn't mean that they will. Doesn't mean they will nine out of 10 times, but they're certainly thinking about it. They're certainly thinking about it. They're preparing for it and they are trying to uh, potentially pay you less severance or no severance at all by terminating your employment for cause. So you cannot be silent. When this happens, if you get a performance improvement plan or a warning of some kind, you have to look at it and you have to you have to look at it honestly, right? I mean, if there's mm-hmm. an if there's a criticism there that is legitimate, you you, you can't simply uh, deny it uh, uh, baldly, you know, in the hopes that that will help somehow. You do have to be honest about it. But if there is something in there that is unfair or uh, misleading, you have to set the record straight and you have to do it at the time. Don't wait until they terminate you. Do it right there, do it right then, and do it in writing. On the other hand, you know, if there is something in there that is a fair criticism that says, you know, you, you, you really haven't been producing the same kind of volumes that we expect of you, talk about your challenges. Say, you know what? You're right. I have been. Here are the challenges I've been facing. Here are the things that would help me. Here are the things that would change. Show that you are really Really trying to maintain the employment relationship. Uh, and if they decide to fire you for cause in spite of that, you're going to look very good because you're going to look like you're the one who is trying and they're the ones who gave up on you. So communication, contemporaneous with the warnings, very, very important. Do it at the
1: time. I- yeah. And again, as we always say, do that stuff in writing, in writing. We'll get back to it here in just a moment. More of your emails and more of John Pickett's What do I do? We will return with more of the Employment Law Show.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: All righty, and welcome back. John Scholes here every weekend, and this weekend today, it's John Pincus joining us. He's going to keep filling us in on John, What Should I Do? Hey, David, how are you?
3: Hey, not too bad, I guess.
1: Good. What's going on with you?
3: I left the job I was at to go to a new job, a new career, trying to get into the car sales. And uh, after I'd started there, I realized that I'd had uh, sleep apnea. And uh, my employer was aware of it, and uh, it also had, like, some issues with a heart thing. But uh, I was working forward to, to, you know, get rid of that stuff to get moved forward and stuff like that. And I had a new machine. I was doing good. Um, but I, got, I ended up getting uh, bronchitis. I was off sick for two weeks, and it ended up being two and a half weeks before I'd come back. Um, and it's also because three guys at my work that worked beside me had tested positive for COVID, and then I got sick. So of course I stayed off. Um, they wouldn't let me come back until I was all good. Then when I came back, they uh, they took away all, I came back. I came back early I came to came earn early my first date to get back to my clients as much as I could. In the middle of me doing that, they took away all my leads and they even took away like we have a list of our client list and it shows like who you sold cars to that are pending delivery. Mm-hmm. They took all those away to sign them to other people in the middle of me getting back to people and then after that, I wasn't given any leads. I wasn't given any, you know, support or anything. They sort of strung me along for two weeks, um, you know, giving other people leads. Um, and then eventually, um, they, they walked me in the office and told me they didn't need me anymore. And then, one of the things that in the in the, uh, in the office when my when they were letting me go is, they said, "You know, you have a, uh, you have issues outside of here that you need to work on as well." Um, and that was sort of my exit interview. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of felt like, you know. I stayed away from work because I was sick. I'm supposed to stay away from where I'm sick. I come back and, you know, like
2: this is how I kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I had I
3: yeah, had so talked about everything. A, I mean,
2: there, there's a few things going on here, uh, David, and, and a few concerns that I would have for sure. Uh, how, how long did you ultimately work at the, for this company?
3: Um, I started the first of uh, the. I really was there like uh, the 27th or 26th of April. And I tried to keep my old job as long as I could because I wasn't sure this one was going to work out, but I started to get pretty good paychecks. And, you know, like, um, so I, I started the so basically the 1st of May was a training month, and uh, that's when I, I started with them. And they let me go the end of my, my last day, I think it was the 28th of November. So, yeah. yeah.
2: Okay, so May, June, July, August. Okay, so about, And they fired uh, me without, eight, without eight cause, so I do get EI, yeah. but...
3: I gave up a job that I was making okay. good money at too. So, I, like, I was there for fourteen years.
2: You know, like. Now did they? Uh, now did they, did they recruit you to this job?
3: No, they didn't. Okay. I, I applied to it. And I was looking for something different. I was looking to try. You know, uh, try try okay. changing fields, I guess. But. Uh,
2: right. Okay, yeah. and you, and you were working in in, uh, in sales. You mentioned right. You were selling in cars. Sales, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, their, their and, thing uh, is, if you don't deliver the car, you don't get the commission. Right.
3: Right. But I went through the whole process right. of selling the car, and they, you know, all of my sales they took away from me. So,
2: I have documentation right. of it. Too,
3: so, yeah.
2: And um, uh, and and how old are you, David?
3: I'm 51. So.
2: Okay. Sorry. 52. Well, look. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, look, there's there's a few things going on here now. So the first thing we want to look at is, all right, given those facts, how much severance did they offer you?
3: They gave me one week severance. And my vacation
2: pay. Okay, all right. Well, um, chances are you're going to be owed a lot more than that. Uh, for one thing, right? So the severance sure. is um, is not reasonable. And this is a situation where I would say, um, you know, conservatively, your entitlements are probably three to three to four months, uh, and they could be higher um, if we can show that the medical conditions you're suffering from, the sleep apnea, the heart issue that you mentioned, are going to make it more difficult for you to reemploy. So that's number one. So, you're, you're, right. so um, we definitely should speak about the severance. Um, and um, the second thing uh, is there's a human rights concern, right? Because it seems like in the weeks leading up to your termination, you were basically punished for being off work, uh, you know, for medical definitely. reasons. And it uh, seems to me that uh, ultimately that's the reason to let you go, which is totally illegal uh, against the human rights code. So, you know, I'm glad you called us, David. I, I I want to talk to you about this. Um, so John will give you the uh the number to call and the coordinates. Uh you can ask to speak with me. I'm happy to set up a time to chat. We'll get into more details. I'll get able to be able to see your documents, but I, I want to talk to you about this because this is uh a wrongful dismissal and it's and it sounds to me like a breach of the human rights code as well. So uh we definitely should uh talk about doing something about this. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'll give you the number. You bet, Dave. I'll give you the uh, give you the number for sure, and I repeat it throughout the show. But one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employment lawyer dot ca is the way you reach out through email as well. So do that as soon as you can. Appreciate that, David. And we'll move on to. Oh, look, David. It's the uh, these are the Daves I know. Apparently, today in the show, Dave. How are you, pal? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. All right. Um, I I got to. Quick story. I've been working at the same company for thirty-eight
0: years. Wow. Okay, thirty at the thirty-fifth year, which was COVID, they laid me off for nine weeks. Now I'm back at work, of course, after the nine weeks. Now they're thinking about layoffs again. Am I entitled to anything?
2: I, I think that there is an argument. Um, you know, if it was a short layoff, um, that you may be able to contest this layoff. Uh, know, if they do it to you again, um, particularly, cons- you know, when we if if uh, they're going to lay you off for a long period of time. So I, I, I think that um, it's definitely worth looking into, especially uh, in your case, given your tenure, I, I, there, there is something to be said for if you if you go 35 years without being laid off. And I, I take it COVID mm-hmm. was the first time you were laid off, right?
0: Yes, they said that they said because of COVID, they were allowed to do that. They went through their lawyers. Yeah, and they, were allowed they, to do they that went job. through the
2: right, 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 and there's various provisions uh, that they would have relied on to do that. You know, in, in your case, given the tenure that you have, I think that's a very unique situation, uh, especially because it was a very short layoff. Um, so, if you're laid off again, I definitely want to speak with you about it so we can we can strategize how we're going to deal with it um, because because this, I, this may be I, I, oh sorry. No, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. I I, I wouldn't want to go back there if I'm laid off again. Because I'm, you know, I'm, you know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm quite, I'm getting older now. So like, you know, I'm pretty well thinking about retirement. So, Mm
2: -hmm. yeah, well, well, if this happens, David, I, I definitely uh, – we, sh- we should be speaking about this, so please, please do give us a call. I, I do think there is something we'll be able to do here. Uh, we just have to w- walk, walk it through strategically and, and have a more detailed conversation. But, you know, 38 years, uh, yeah. you know, and you're laid off um, – You know that you got to do something about that. Your severance entitlement here is going to be significant without even knowing the rest of the details of of your employment. Certainly, it's conceivable that your entitlement could be uh, close to the 24 month, -hmm. mark, 24 months of compensation. So we definitely uh, should be speaking. So please, please give us a
1: call if you're laid off again. David, appreciate it, pal. And uh, we'll take a short break. One more before we continue the rest of the hour. And to reach out to John. By the way, outside the hour of the show, help at employmentlawyer.ca one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But we continue with the employment law show. Stand by.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies
1: of Chorus Entertainment. All right, welcome back. Employment Law Show. So far, some great calls today. Appreciate it. In between that, it's John Pincus. What do I do, man? Help me out. And this one, we had a similar call to this, but uh, let's go through it one more time just to nail it down. That is the question is, you know, my boss is now giving half my hours to a newer guy, a younger employee. Can they do that? What should I do?
2: Right well uh, that's that's very much on point of one of the davids that uh, that called mm-hmm. us today <laughs> um that uh, we know we talked about a pretty extreme uh, change in hours of work. Now, and generally speaking, uh, that's going to be a constructive dismissal unless it's set out in an employment agreement, or you know you have hours that have been sporadic over time, and you've agreed to this before. Which again is why you want to do something the first time this happens, not wait for it to happen again. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's definitely going to be a candidate for constructive dismissal, and definitely something you want to speak with an employment lawyer uh, as w- as well. And the the difference in this situation as uh, compared to What David was talking about earlier today is this could also be a human rights violation. Because if you can show that the employer did this because you are an Uh. older employee, uh, ageism is illegal under the uh, Human Rights Code. And mandatory retirement has been illegal for many years now. Uh, So that is going to be a separate liability on top of your severance that the employer is going to owe. So lots of things wrong with that scenario.
1: How about this one says, uh, John, I'm ready to return to work from relief, but my boss said, yeah, well, you know what? I got no job for you to return to. So he's offered to help me get EI. What a prince. Uh, Should I accept his help? No, no.
2: Uh, (laughs) This is because the employer is not helping you. Uh, You're going to, if your employment has been terminated, you're going to be entitled to EI anyway. Uh, The disposition you should have here uh, is you know, in most cases, just say, I'm ready to come back to work. If you don't want to have me back to work, then I'd like to get my termination letter. And, you know, if your employer is refusing to do that and leaving you in the lurch, then you want to put things in writing and you probably want to do it uh, with the help of an employment lawyer. Uh, But no, no, your employer is not helping you uh, to do that. And by the way, if you do, you know, quote unquote, agree to, to take their help, what are they going to do later? They're going to say, oh, you quit. In fact, the only yeah. reason that we did this for you is so that you could get EI. Don't fall into that trap. It is a common deception. Uh, speak to an employment lawyer and uh, and get some help.
1: That's a common scenario you see in your practice, right? Employers try to be sneaky and kind of, you know, squeeze you till you end up quitting or they hope you quit as opposed to having to terminate you because they know what's on the other side of the termination financially if they pull that trigger, Right.
2: Yeah, and I'm not trying to be prejudiced here. Not all employers are sneaky. There's of there's sneaky employers, there's sneaky employees. They're, they're mm-hmm. on both sides of the fence. But you know, as far as uh, you know, some not not great behavior on employers' part. Yes, this is this is something I have seen time and again, uh, where they say, "Oh, you know, we'll we'll just we'll just tell them that we're we're giving them a hand." And if they try and sue us later, we'll say, "Oh, no, no, they they quit voluntarily."
1: Right. Uh, you know, John, I've just been fired, and apparently I have 48 hours to sign a severance offer that the, the company says is generous. It's it's really good. Uh, should I sign the uh, before the offer expires?
2: Well, maybe. We don't know. I mean, if the yeah. company is offering you 24 months' pay, then, yeah, you probably should sign that, that severance offer. Probably. But, you know, chances are that's not the case, right? Chances are it's probably a very poor severance package. And so that's a time to speak with an employment lawyer right away. Uh, There's always going to be someone available uh, that can speak with you before the due date. And if it turns out it's not a good severance package, I'll tell you what, what we're going to tell you, what we as employment lawyers are going to tell you, we're going to say, don't worry about that deadline. Because what's the real deadline? The real deadline is two years from the date of your notice of termination. That's the deadline to do anything about it. So unless the employer is giving you a great offer, you're not going to worry about that deadline.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a pressure tactic. We always say to just move things along and just. Uh, and plus, they want you off their books, right? So always, there's always going to be some sort of end date on a, on a termination offer, right? Have it back, you know, Friday at five or whatever, right?
2: That's right. And remember that employers like you don't want this hanging over their heads. They want right. it resolved just as much as you do. And I can tell you this because I'm someone who you know advises employers and employees. It's stressful on both sides. Uh, so that's something that you should take comfort in when you're considering a
1: separate offer. Let's get to a couple emails here with our uh, remaining time. John says, are federally regulated employees entitled to severance pay? I work for a bank. Uh,
2: Federally regulated employees are entitled to severance pay. And not only are they entitled to severance pay, but they are entitled to the exact same severance pay that uh, that, uh, provincially regulated employees are entitled to. The only difference with federally regulated employees is that, they, uh, that their minimum entitlements are going to be governed by the Canada Labor Code as opposed to the Employment Standards Act, and they may have, in some circumstances, a right to pursue reinstatement. So there's some circumstances where they have uh, greater statutory rights, some circumstances where they have uh, somewhat lesser statutory rights. But when we're talking about full severance, when we're talking about severance under the common law, which is what we're talking about on, on this show, it is mm-hmm. exactly the same.
1: Yeah, so they shouldn't uh, shouldn't rely on that and just you know end the conversation there because they could be owed a lot more money through the common law, right? Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. We
2: represent a, um, federally regulated employees all the time and we pursue them the exact same way.
1: Let's get to uh, Vanessa's email. By the way, you can send these along not just during the show, but John's always willing to answer these or put a member of his team on them. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Vanessa says, I am on sick leave and just received, quote, working notice of termination, but I'm not being paid for the sick leave. Can they get rid of my severance by doing this?
2: No, no, they they can't do that. Um, if they are giving you working notice of termination, which is a legitimate thing to do, it has to be a paid working notice of termination or it is not working notice at all. And the law is very clear on this. So you are going to be owed your severance. Um, And if you're being terminated on a sick leave, there, there may be a human rights concern there as well. So that is definitely a situation where you should be speaking with an employment lawyer right away.
1: A couple more here if we got time. Dawn's up next. Says, uh guys, my wife submitted false claims for benefits. She admitted it right away and understands what she did was wrong. Is she entitled to severance? I assume she got fired. Yeah, well, unfortunately, probably not, right? Probably not. There are
2: some things that are just cause for dismissal, right? You know, we always talk about what is not just cause for dismissal, but- some things are, right? And engaging in fraud is typically going to be just cause for dismissal and benefits fraud is, is a common one. So um, look, every circumstance is different. Uh, there's exceptions to the rule, of course. But um, at first blush, I can say the facts do not sound good here.
1: Yeah. Let's get to Tom. Uh, last one for the uh, for the day here. What should I do if my employer is asking me to complete work that I know is unsafe? Right. Well, you do have
2: protection under occupational health and safety legislation not to perform, to refuse to perform work that is unsafe, but you are not necessarily in a position to make that determination. So you have to speak with, assuming you're uh, provincially regulated, uh, the Ontario Ministry of Um uh, occupational uh, Ontario Ministry of Labour, the Occupational Health and Safety Division, they will send over an inspector and if they determine that it is unsafe, you won't have to do it.
1: Love it. John Pankus, right there. Another uh, amazing show, pal. You want to reach out to John and his team, do not hesitate. Just have a chat. Won't cost you nothing. It's easy. And that is 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out through email. And that website, free, anonymous, can learn lots, have access to the severance calculator. That's at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Employment Law Show.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertisers The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.